There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, and this is Chris Cooper, and welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's wonderful to be uh, with you again today. Uh, Over here in the UK, we're just about to sort of celebrate the Christmas period at an unusual time in history. It's almost as though sort of COVID has taken and stolen Christmas a little bit over here in the United Kingdom at the moment. Um, So, but the good thing is we'll have time to be with our close families and to reflect, think about the, the year that's gone by and think about how we want to make a difference in 2021. And I'm really excited today about uh, the subject on my guest, which is who is Dr. Ginny Whitelaw. We're going to talk about Resonate, about Zen and the way of making a difference today. Before we do that, um, I'd like to say a big thank you to uh, Daniel Wood, who's uh, become a, a good friend. Uh, Daniel has a property company and a wealth institute in, uh, in Sweden. And last week, Daniel talked to us about... Um, Lots of different ways that you can generate investment for your projects. If, you, if in 2021 you want to go out there and make a, a, you know, a bigger difference and you need some money to do that or more investment to do that, uh, then do listen to that show. He shared 25 ways uh, to do that, and we focused in on, on several, including whether you should invest your own money and savings into your business ventures. Uh, as I say, we're going to talk about something a little bit different today. Um, My passion is about elevating leadership and developing teams and building highly engaged workplaces. But a passion these days is really helping people to think about how do they elevate their performance and elevate their consciousness such that they can make an even bigger difference in this very fractured world at the moment and this sea of confusion. We need leaders who can step up, see the way, and uh, move towards uh, a more positive uh, future through their endeavors. And I think this um, subject just fits beautifully into that. Now, I'm wondering, are you wanting to live a life of uh, more meaning, with greater resilience, uh, with joy, are you wanting to make a bigger contribution? Well, my guest today, uh, Dr. Ginny Whitelaw, is the founder and the CEO of the Institute for Zen Leadership. She's a Zen master in Rinzai Zen. Uh, she's uh, an incredible martial arts expert um, as well in, in, uh, within that uh, in Aikido. Uh, she's president of Focus Leadership. She's the author of four books. Um, she's a biophysicist by training and combines a really rich scientific background with senior leadership experience at NASA, including more than 25 years as well of experience developing uh, global leaders. Now, Dr. Whitelaw, became the deputy manager for integrating the International Space Station program, leading to widespread change very of a significant scale. And incredibly, in realigning the management of the space station program uh, with cross-functional teams, um, she was awarded NASA's Exceptional Service Medal for her efforts. Today, we're going to talk about her fantastic new book, Resonate, Zen and the Way of Making a Difference, which 
Um, I've not got all the way through the book, but it is my current favourite read and will be uh, top of my list for things to uh, complete and, uh, and reflect on over Christmas. So for anyone wishing to make a difference in this new unsettled world order, let's talk with uh, Dr. Ginny Whitelaw. Huge welcome, Dr. Ginny. Thank you so much. It's so good to be with you, Chris. You're very welcome. It's really uh, great to have you on the show today. And I'm really interested, Ginny, to gain a sense of, of your, your early life. And, you know, how did this lead to becoming a biophysicist? I'm not sure we all know what that is. And then to uh, this, this, this vision and dream of, of being involved with space at NASA. Well, I think it started with a vision and dream of being involved in space, for sure. I was a little kid looking up at the stars at a time when when people in my country were starting to go into space, and I wanted to go there. It just it filled me with inspiration in a sense that maybe this sense of focusing on exploration would, would also bring peace on Earth. It was, even in my young mind, something that felt deeply purposeful, and I wrote NASA when I was 13 years old, because interestingly, even though women were not allowed in the program at that time, my parents strongly encouraged me. And I wrote the agency when I was entering junior high school, asking them what classes I should take to best prepare me for my life as an astronaut. (laughs) And what was remarkable is they wrote back. uh, And it wasn't even a form letter. It was an actual letter letter that said, it doesn't matter what you take in junior high school, but you should study science and math in high school. And by the time you get to college, major in physics or astrophysics or aeronautical engineering, they gave me a whole list. And I put that letter on my wall and followed it to the T. So it did take me into science. I took every science and math class under the sun. I did major in physics. By the time I got to graduate school, I was very fascinated with energy. I had by that time started training in martial arts, and somehow I wanted to understand the energy of the human body more. And so I studied biophysics, and I I got a doctorate in biophysics, learning developmental mechanisms in the nervous system. But the dream to join NASA was never fully dead. And when (laughs) I got out of graduate school, not long thereafter... NASA was accepting applications into their astronaut program, and I had mine in the next day because by this time they were accepting applications from women. So I, that, uh, that was the beginning of my journey with NASA. Wow. And, and you know, your, your role sounded like it, it became about senior leadership. Um, Where did that happen? Because, I mean, you sound like you had this dream of actually going up into space. That's right. That's right. I ended up going into management, not into space. (laughs) And it it really taught me a lot about how we end up finding life purpose and purpose in our work. Because I was really hell-bent on this dream from childhood, as you might imagine. And I interviewed for the job. But I don't think I reflecting on it would say I interviewed authentically. And 
you know the importance, Chris, of being authentic in leadership and in all matters. But instead of trying to of really just being myself, whatever that was at the time, I was trying to be what I thought was perfect in the eyes of this astronaut candidate selection committee. So mm. every question they'd ask, you know, I was not just giving it an answer. I was in those mental cycles, whirling frantically, trying to think, what's the perfect answer here? You know, what's they'd say, like, if you were an animal, what kind of animal would you be? And rather than giving it my authentic answer, I'm going like, well, let's see, this should be probably a flight animal since this is a flight job and, a, and it's kind of a militaristic feeling around here. So I say eagle. Well, if you know anything about me, you'd know that's not a very authentic answer. So it was not a good interview. But they said at the end of it, uh, or, or shortly thereafter, come get some operational experience here at NASA and maybe we'll consider you again in the future. So that's what I did. I went and took a job at, uh, at NASA's Johnson Space Center. And at the time, the space station program was the new exciting project. And I had a technical background. I had been working at Bell Labs, so I, I knew something about networks and had studied them even in the network of the nervous system. So I became in, initially working on the, the flight and ground data networks associated with space station and eventually was asked to lead the integration of the entire program. So I ended up going into management, not, not into space. At some point, my dream and my efforts to, you know, I would say appear perfect in the eyes of those around me also though led to serious heart uh, health problems, my heart problems. And it was, uh, and they landed me in the emergency room at one point in my life where it was really clear to me that I had to start listening to life in a new way that somehow I thought my purpose was about being an astronaut but evidently it's about something else. And I had to let go of one dream in order to feel into what was real, what was really emerging as the work of my life. Uh, so this, this concept of purpose then was a real insight while working at NASA. Um, was something else that was, that was bigger than you going to space as maybe helping elevate other people through the work that you do. It was indeed, um, and, and it only could emerge in a way when I gave room to it. I think it was when I lost my childhood dream that I could start listening to life. And at that point, I was taking some leadership courses uh, because I was being groomed for senior, senior leadership at NASA. But I realized that the leadership I was being trained in while it was very interesting to me, it left the body completely out of the equation. And here I'd been training in, in the body and training in Zen and martial arts by that time where I knew that the way you work the body changes the mind. So where was this in leadership development? Nowhere to be found. And I had this gnawing that maybe this was my work to do. And it kept growing and growing and growing as an idea that would not let me go. Ah, and you, you've become was it a fifth degree black belt in Aikido and you're a Zen master in Rinzai Zen, which sounds incredibly fascinating. Um, what, what, what can we learn from you know, this combination of them, biophysics, arts and martial arts and Zen? And how does it help us in, you know, in this very strange period of time in history where I think um, it's something I've listened to that you were talking about. We were kind of in tipping points energetically 
uh, in a number of different areas on, on, the, on the planet right now. Indeed, we're sensing a lot of, I'll call it energetic currents right now. And what I feel into, and I didn't plan this up front, but I see it in hindsight, that, that what physics and biophysics taught me was the science of energy how energy works, how energy is always in vibration and it always changes through a process of resonance. How energy works in the human being, that even the way our senses work is a process of energy stimulating cells in our body that start vibrating and relaying the signal to a point where we make cognitive meaning of it. What Zen and martial arts taught me was how energy works through us in ways that can be cultivated and how when we re reduce the tension in the body, we can literally physically vibrate more naturally. How when we become more sensitive, it means literally physically our senses are picking up more energy. So through cultivation practices, we can actually work with energy through ourselves. So the, the art of Aikido, which literally translates as the way to harmonize energy, is an entire art based on how you read the energy of others, join with it to execute your purpose in that moment, a particular Aikido throw. So it is a constant practice in how to read and merge and work with energy. Meanwhile, Zen is a practice in how to change the resonance of the human body through deeper relaxation, greater sensitivity, and getting the ego out of the way so it doesn't grip everything to be about itself. Uh, and, and is this something, I mean, when you're working with your clients, you're, you're helping them use this energy in a more productive way? Um, and, and I'm sort of intrigued, you know, at the moment, there's, there's a lot energetically which which can lead us feeling at, at, at dis-ease. Um, does this, this is enable us to um, sort of balance things so we're more um, healthy, but also we attract more of what we, we want? Both things are true. Both our sense of well-being increases when we're more in a state of what Dan Siegel would call flow and harmony. When the energy's moving through us, we feel better and we're more able to enact and attract the energies that feed into our purpose, that we interpret as purpose. So both sides, both our objective impact in the world and our subjective sense of well-being are tied to the same set of energetic flows. And we can regulate those in our own beingness by, by physical practices. Okay. Uh, it, it seemed... I'm just sort of getting a sense. We sometimes get like a bottleneck, don't we? We're, we're trying to, if, if we've got a sense of our purpose, or we've got a sense of, you know, an intention of what's important, we, we, we get in our own way sometimes, don't we, with our own, own feelings. Is that what this is about? Does that ease that up so we, we create the kind of feelings that enable us to flow forward rather than feel like we're hitting obstacles? Exactly right. You know, we say in Zen, don't let the mind stop. Don't get stuck. Meaning there's a sense of being able to work with the forces and energy around us where we can co-create with them. But if we get stuck, if we're too tense, then we become an obstacle to that flow. And, and so it's, 
rigidity and chaos characterize states of unease or dis-ease, where we're too tight. Somehow we're not able to work with the conditions. So one of the things I work with clients on is how they can ease into a greater state of flow and harmony so that they can be more sensitive to the energies around them, whether that's their teams or a relationship or even the, the forces they want to attract into bringing a vision into reality, how they can work with those forces in order to realize their purposes. Excellent. We're going to go to commercial break now. And after the break, we'll find out more about, uh, you know, what resonance actually is. And, and I think what um, I hope in partly in this next section as well is that, you know, you hear people talking about, about flow and energy, but actually this is a scientific, there is, a, there is scientific background behind all of this as well. So it, it, is, it is something that is um, more than just plausible um, so we're going to come back. We're going to discover a bit more about what resonance is and uh, how it is that its resonance is so important. And then we'll, we'll discuss as well, how, how can you become a more resonant person? So do join us again after the break. There's going to be some fantastic uh, insights and content to help you around what is a truly important uh, subject. We need to be able to get out of the way of ourselves, I, I believe, to be, make the impact that we all can individually to get ourselves back on track again globally. So do join us again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Dr. Ginny Whitelaw. And we're talking about uh, uh, Resonate and, and Ginny's new book. We're going to get into that now, Resonate Zen and the Way of Making a Difference. So, 
Ginny, what inspired you to write this book? And just really, so we're really clear, what is resonance? Well, let's start with what is resonance. To resonate is to vibrate with. It's when energy comes together and the waves add up or work together in some way to create new forms. So we're used to seeing waves, say, on a body of water come together, and we see that they can add up or interfere. They, there's different ways they're going to interact. But resonance is a fact. It's not like those waves are going to have a choice, like sometimes we'll interact and sometimes we won't. It's how energy works. Now, when waves can add up to new forms, they often can reach tipping points of significant change. They can be amplified into, into shifts where at certain resonant frequencies, energy turns into matter, you know, in the smallest scale. That's what I studied in high energy physics. But in a macro scale, when the energy adds up, say when the when energy adds up between people, we can get on the same wavelength and have a much more connected conversation where we truly understand each other. One thing that's been studied a great deal in the human being is what happens when we become more resonant in ourselves, when our waves add up between our brain, our heart, or and even our breathing. I call it head, heart, and hara. And when those waves add up, we become more coherent. The electromagnetic field around our body is stronger. These are now measurable things. So to resonate is to vibrate with. And when we can vibrate with ourselves in a more flow and harmonious way, we can send a more resonant signal into the world. So why did I write this book? Because we need some more resonant signals in the world. I was at the, at the dojo uh, teaching a Zen leadership program. And one of my uh, colleagues, Gordon Greenroshi, was, was talking about climate change and why this is so darn difficult, why it's so hard for people to change their habits around climate. And he was asking the question, how do we change how change happens? Now, just think about that question for a moment. How do you change how change happens? Well, that question just seared into me because the scientist in me sort of lit up saying, well, change always happens through resonance. That's how energy changes form. So how do you change the conditions for resonance? And then the Zen teacher in me lit up saying, well, that's what we do. That's exactly what Zen training does. It changes the conditions for resonance in the human body. So how can you show people how they can work with their resonance in order to change the world around them? And that's what really inspired this book. Uh, and at the moment, it feels, and you, you saw this in the you know, significantly in the elections in the United States, in Brexit here in the United Kingdom, and obviously there's the, this pandemic, which is another layer of of complexity. It it feels like um, it feels like energies become like a lot of noise, and it, it it's very interfered and very broken rather than necessarily them flowing together there's there's not unification there's a lot of division That's right. um how, how do you see this uh this current kind of storm uh, and and feeling which uh as i say feels very disrupted it is very disrupted it, there's a great deal of interference going on you know it, if you want to create resonance in at a large scale you need to get 
energy to add up. And so a way to destroy resonance within a society is to create division. And that political tool has been used a great deal, both in Brexit and in the elections in the United States. If you want to respond to a global pandemic, you need a resonant response to add up. And that response, at least in my country, has been broken by, again, the same political divide where half the people are wearing masks and social distancing and the other half not. When you can divide, you can conquer. That's one of the principles of, of resonance, that you need a unification of signal to reach tipping points. So it, it's actually a political strategy in some ways to create confusion and, and sow division because you can keep a society weak that way. And we're seeing that become a more potent tool than, than uh, even you know, conventional warfare in terms of destroying a society from inside out. And it feels very, it feels very, um, what's the word, short term and not very, not very mindful and aware of the bigger picture when people behave like this because we've got, we've got big, big issues to, to deal with, haven't we? Um, is, is it, is it a, 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 is it around consciousness and the consciousness of certain individuals which lead to this? Well, in, in a way, this kind of turbulence presents an enormously potent opportunity for leadership and for yeah. elevating, yeah. Yeah. elevation of leadership, as, as you know, because so much is changing and the current situation is so untenable. We see the illness, we see what's not working. And the unrest that comes in that seeing motivates us to say we have to find a better way. So in a way, we, we say, one of the things we, we say in Zen is that suffering becomes a great teacher if you can use it and not, not just get washed over by it. So how do we use the, the turbulence of this time to show a better way? That's, that's really a frame that I use in my teaching with leaders, that how can you feel into this turbulence and then help take away the fear of separation so you can connect people toward a greater purpose? Yeah, it, it almost felt actually that we, uh, to me and some of the people I've I've spoken with, that this pandemic almost was the a paradigm shift that we needed to nudge us along the right path because we weren't going to do it on our own. Yeah, yeah. You think about how much it forced us to change lifestyles that wouldn't have changed on their own. I mean, yeah. I used to be on a plane every week. Well, I haven't yeah. flown in nine months. So it's <laughs> how, and I have a significantly smaller carbon footprint as a result, you know, so it's really, it has changed a lot that we wouldn't have willingly changed. But it's also reminded us that we aren't actually running this show through our egotistical control, that there are larger forces at work that we have to pay attention to. Yeah. And, and if we want to work with nature, we have to, we have to listen to the earth. We have to listen to the society. We have to listen to what's going on so that we can resonate with it and let our behaviors, our leadership actions co-create with it. Yeah. Yeah. I've said from this period of very creative time mentally, though obviously a, a challenging one to go through. I'm, I'm quite intrigued. One of the things you say is that resonance does everything. Please explain. Well, it, it's the underlying principle to how 
how energy changes form. And again, to use an example in our everyday world, when waves come together, both are changed. That's not an option. That's not a sometimes yes, sometimes no. Both are changed. And so that principle is is how energy is always working. That when energy can be used, it's picked up and that energy changes the, the form of whatever it entered. So for example, our world of living colors is the result of resonance because certain frequencies of light, of sunlight, can be used by plants and trees and whatnot, and other frequencies are reflected. So we see those reflected energies. So from the smallest scale to the largest scale, this same principle is playing out of how energy interacts with other energies to create new forms. And one of the principles, the specificity of resonance that is so interesting to me, is that energy is picked up when it can, it, it, that the way the form is changing is when that energy can be used, when the energy can be used. So you and I have a way to use the energies of sound. So we can hear each other, we can pick up these vibrations, they work in our systems, we can make meaning, we can use the energies of sound. We're not so good at using the energies of gamma rays. You know, they're zipping through the room we're sitting in right now, but we don't pick them up, they kind of go right through. So this, the same is also true in the level of the human being. Even if I, one of the examples I use, if I shout into the strings of a grand piano, the strings that match my voice, the vibrations of my voice will start to vibrate because they can use that frequency of energy. The ones that don't match will be still. And so we see that resonance, while it's universal in terms of doing everything around change, it's also very specific. Certain vibrations can have certain effects because of a kind of match between the two systems. And so you translate that into leadership and you sense how each of us is swimming in this sea of boundless, infinite energy. I call it universal energy, all the energy available to you and, and I right now. Um, is flowing through the rooms we're a part of. We sense parts of it. It comes through us and we enact certain behaviors. We have a certain kind of conversation as a result. So we vibrate in a very specific way given the universal sea of energy we're working with. And how we vibrate with that energy is where we have some control. But the fact that anything we do is going to happen through resonance is is... That, that's the science, that's what's gonna happen. Anything we do will happen through resonance. How we vibrate with the energies around us is where we have some choice. Well, I, I just in my, in my mind, as you were talking about that, I was imagining, thinking about my, you know, being with my children and as uh, shouting in, a tu in tunnels, you know, and sort of echoes. Right. Um, <laughs> I imagine that's, you know, that is this vibration, this resonance at play in some way. Well, yeah, you can get bounced off of tunnels. And one of the things you see in tunnels is how energy adds up. So you get an amplification effect because the waves can bounce back and forth and reinforce each other. You get yeah. the same effect in a bell. So we feel more resonance. 
you get the same effect in a musical instrument. The, the sound body of a guitar is set up to resonate with the strings in order to magnify their sound. And the human body is set up to resonate with the tiny little vocal cords. I mean, your vocal cords are the size of a little slip of spaghetti that's maybe, you know, one and a half centimeters long. And you have two of them. Those are your vocal cords. All the rest of our sound is through resonance in the human body. Amazing. Yeah. Very, very thought provoking. Um, so, so therefore what you're, you're saying is that in terms of, in terms of us and our impact with the world, we have this, this, this system that maybe, maybe most of us go through life being completely oblivious about these, these conditions, uh, universal kind of conditions um, are, are at play. Um, however, uh, the way that we we behave and and travel through our days and our, our lives and the way that we interact with this system impacts our results. It surely does. It surely does. Um, the the difficulty that we start with is we it's a natural stage of human development that we separate mind from body that we think we're somehow a floating head and that everything interesting about us is happening, you know, in our heads and in our thoughts. And it's natural that we have a felt sense of I associated with our heads because a lot of our senses focus their energies there and we do a lot of sense making with our brain. So we, this felt sense of I in our head is in a sense, no accident, but it's wholly insufficient <laughs> to understand the human being. Reintegration of the mind-body instrument gives us a much better uh, instrument to work with in being able to degenerate resonance. And it's this cut-offness that we can sometimes operate from that can make us do things, I'll call it, that seem rational or clever or logical to the head, but they don't have any heart in them or they don't have any connection to what it is to be human. And they can lack in empathy. They can lack in the qualities that are needed to make more, I wanna say holistic decisions, not decisions just in, in favor of uh, an ego that feels like it's separate. So in Zen, you know, we train to resolve duality, resolve that false sense of separation. And the first one we work with is resolving the separation of mind and body from which we can resolve all other separations. Wow. So, so is, is, that, is that how we become a more resonant person? Trying to it's, connect these two? It, it certainly is a start because we can't, fix habits that we don't see. So, you know, if I have a habit where I talk like this, which is really up in my throat and tight, it instantly has an irritating effect on you. And if I don't see that habit, I'm never gonna change it. If I can't feel into the effect I'm having or with the tension in my body that creates that condition, then I'm just gonna export it. So part of the, you know, you, part of the beauty of, of Zen training is you start to use breath, which can work unconsciously as well as consciously to be an ambassador in a way into parts of ourself that we can't access through conscious will alone. So we can unwind deep habits 
And breath becomes a, a very powerful. In fact, the first tool we use in, in the book Resonate is we give integrative practices for pulling yourself together. Breath is a very powerful one for working through unconsciously held habits that allow us to become a more resonant being. Right. Well, on, on that note, we're going to take a little breathing um, space and we're going to get, uh, have a short break. Uh, and after the break, we're going to maybe explore that a little bit more, but also talk a bit about how, you know, resonance can make a difference in your relationships when you're leading and uh, leading teams. I was talking to a, with a, running a program with a, a group of leaders yesterday and trying to explain uh, to them uh, how this is so, why this is so important from a leadership perspective. And, and I'm sure I didn't do as good a job as at all as um, Dr. Ginny. So I'm um, looking forward to hearing about how that can work. And then, um, you know, maybe what, what can we do? Uh, how can it help us with big change and uh, making a difference? So do join us again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Dr. Ginny Whitelaw. We're talking about, about Resonate. And I want to get straight into this now. Um, we were starting to talk, you mentioned there about being a more resonant person. There's, there's the breath, 
Um, your tech, just is there any other sort of techniques that we need to be mindful of? And then I'd like to get into, you know, how this will make a difference in our relationships. Well, techniques that will integrate, tune, and tame the mind-body system are the ones that are going to bring us into a more resonant state. It's, again, you can think of it almost as a musical instrument. When we're too tight, it's, our strings are too tight. We're out of tune. We're not going to vibrate quite correctly. If we are disintegrated, we are like that chop that you talked about in terms of, of the kind of energy of society right now. We won't add up. There'll be a kind of chaotic signal from us. And when we don't tame the ego, it tries to make the energy of life about itself, about meeting mm -hmm. its own needs. Rather, there's a pivotal flip that's possible, and it's so key to leadership, where we start using the ego in service of life rather than trying to use life in service of the ego. And that really elevates what leadership is capable of. That is all possible through these, through these integrating, tuning, and taming practices that make us resonate a larger signal. So I'm, I'm, intri I'm, in, I'm intrigued to talk a little bit more about that in terms of we use the ego in service of the ego rather than life in service of the ego. Uh, I, uh, it's just something we, you know, we all possess in terms of ego. But I, and I do see ego and people who have high, high ego that it does. It's very limiting, and and it doesn't always doesn't enable you to get, um, you know, a full perspective of the of the of a, a true bigger picture and maybe access more information because you perhaps feel that like you 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 know it all. Um, I don't know. Just talk a little bit more about that because it's. I think it's very important. Exactly right. I mean, when you think about what you just said, Chris, from a resonance point of view, when I think I know it all, I don't listen, which means I'm not taking in energy and I'm not vibrating with the present moment. When I am making things all about myself, it means I'm there's a sticking point in the psyche. It's a, a, like an energetic dam that is trying to get its own needs met, however neurotically. And we have some vibrant <laughs> examples of that in our world today, because it's natural for the human being to pass through a stage where the ego develops and the world becomes all about it. But it's also natural for a healthy human being to grow past that stage. And if we don't, it, in the pathological extreme, it becomes narcissism, you know, and, and malignant narcissism where you, and we have examples of that in leadership today where everything is made about that self. It's, it completely limits the, the, the value that that kind of leader can contribute to the world. And in fact, tends to create resonance in other people that also drags them down to their egotistical separate selves. So it, mom, yeah. it, it creates more fear. Yeah, I, I, an energetic dam. I really like that, and yeah. I, I, as I do my do my work, and I I've seen this sort of you know many times. I always remember one particular board I worked with, and there was a one member who I saw I saw him as being very high on the ego. And at the end of the program, he said, you know, it's been his his response to it was, I think they all got an awful lot out of it. Um, but but in in that response, he wasn't saying he did because he he knew it all already, and I <laughs> and I do I do meet people who think, yeah I'm doing that I I do that and I I do that and I do that but actually are they really and are they really taking it on board? It's that that the ego is acting like an energetic dam. Exactly, really... and you know what's so interesting. Um, 
is the ego doesn't see its own shortcomings. You know, that kind of an ego doesn't see its own shortcomings. It's only when we really open ourselves to feedback and be curious about taking in the energy of what's of feedback from others and feedback from life that we can catch ourselves at our own limits and, and areas that we're doing things that are really not well, not, not going well. But when we have that kind of arrogance or certainty, we close off those channels. We become numb to them. So we don't, we don't pick up that energy. And as a result, we can go further and further into uh, truly self-defeating habits, but uh, where, where we, we don't learn. And as Lauren Isley said, nature has all sorts of traps for the animal who cannot learn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so how does this resonance then make a difference in our relationships? Well, exactly as you said earlier about society feeling choppy energetically right now, relationships can be choppy or harmonious too. And that isn't just, again, a metaphor. Uh, it's, there, there's now some good science around when, when two people are in a highly connected conversations, you can put EEG caps on them and see a synchrony in their brain waves. You can see how when one's telling a story, the other one can anticipate that story. You can see the signals associated with, I'll call it coherent communication that are measurable and objectively visible. So how can we create that condition of resonant relationships? How do we get on the same wavelength with someone else? Well, we have to want to. We have to be able to sense another person, almost like tuning a radio, of having a desire to, I want to I pick up where you're coming from. And it's like we're dialing into each other. And because we're both human beings, we generally can pick up that frequency. You know, easier than, say, communicating with a moth. We can pick up that frequency because we operate with so many of the same frequencies. Once we can get in, you know, quote, on the same wavelength, or once we can really connect with another person, a much deeper conversation, a more resonant conversation is possible versus, I'll call it drive-by listening, you know, where people ask these kind of throwaway questions, hi, how are you? But they're not really listening for the answer versus somebody who listens with every pore of their skin. And that kind of listening holds a space with somebody where they actually get wiser. That's something I've really learned in my own executive coaching and teaching with people. If, if, they, if a conversation is kind of skating along on the surface, I know I have to listen more deeply. The deeper I listen, the smarter they get. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting that. My mind's drifting to various conversations, coaching conversations right now. <laughs> That's really helpful. How about leadership and leading teams? What um, how how do you how do you get leaders to really, um, you know, buy into this and to, um, and and to adopt new ways? You know, there's some again wonderful work that's been done around teams and flow, and flow yeah. is often the word used around teams rather than you know. <laughs> vibrationally coherent resonance state. You know, we don't usually use that. It's kind of a cumbersome <laughs> phrase. We call it flow. But, you know, for a long time, people have tried to figure out what makes a team perform beyond all regular expectations. And the qualities that, that are found relate very much to resonance. In other words, the team adds up. People perceive a unifying purpose, 
we're in it together. We have each other's back. No one's going to fail. You know, these are emotional qualities that get us tuned into one another so that we add up. We have personal agency, meaning we know what our part on this team is. And the team has some processes or sheet music or something or good leadership by which our personal actions add up to a greater whole. That is the formula, if you will, for high-performing teams, for, for teams in flow. And it, if you think about, again, nested vibrations within vibrations, the kind of person who can create flow in a team themselves has to be coherent. Yeah. If they come in and they're chaotic and they're all over the place and they're a mess, it's hard to create coherence around you. You can't be one with something if you're already two. I just uh, <laughs> uh, uh, within my own work, I, I utilize a, a, a tool a diagnostic with with clients um, that kind of measures flow and for teams. And I think I was working out the other day. I've done close on a thousand of them now <laughs> of these these particular profiles, and it, and it is it makes such a difference when a team's in flow, doesn't it? And Eddie, bring that alignment to them. Um, but you're right; you've got to be in a you've got to be in the right state to be able to bring them together. And, and when you are, I mean, when you have that characteristic to bring a team together, when a team has a kind of emotional connection where it cares about one another and can come together, there's a kind of what a, it's called a hive consciousness that's possible, uh, the, where leadership can even shift from one person to another on a team, or the team becomes as smart as the whole rather than what's in any individual's brain. It, it, that capability allows a team to really be greater than even the sum of its parts. Yeah. Yeah. That's when the magic happens, isn't it? When the yeah. magic dust. The magic dust. The magic dust. And I'm yeah. sure if you think about those thousand teams, you know, you've, you've worked on or measured around flow. If you think about those qualities, a lot of them would have to do with these basic conditions that build resonance. Yes, yes, and, and some of that comes, I think, uh, out of people, people doing doing work that they love doing and that they they're naturally in the zone doing, uh, and it's easy to them energetically. It's it's when they they stretch outside of that, it gets harder. And sometimes in a team, it's better to have other people who are in their flows too, and you all come together, understanding the differences between each of you, and uh, allow each of you to get on and do your jobs really well. Um, I don't know, but we, I, I, when I started my career, I remember I actually worked for a, for a company, Mars, and Helen Sharman um, came from Mars, the, who I think you probably, probably know the name of. Um, but we, you know, we did those sorts of days, you know, they were looking for good general managers. And I think what mm -hmm. I, I've certainly discovered is that there are not many, that many people are really uh, are complete generalists. You know, when it comes to flow, we all have our areas that were, we're, very, we're in our power doing, um, but there's a lot of areas that we don't and we need others. Well, and that speaks to the, again, that specificity of resonance. Each of us is a unique human being. You know, we, we yeah. are, in one sense, a part of the whole, and in another sense, exactly who we are. You know, both, it is part of the paradox of the human being. Uh, we're one and we're also differentiated. And in that differentiation, in the exact history that Chris or Ginny grew up through, 
we're going to see the world a certain way. And there is no single perspective, no single leadership perspective that's going to see the whole picture. That's why we need the team and we need the diverse perspectives and we need to hear them so that we can work from a multimodal point of view. Fantastic. Well, unfortunately, we've come to the end of the interview now. We're running out of time. I could keep on talking to you for, for a long time um, and, uh, and keep on um, loving it. What, what final messages would you, or message would you like to leave us with? You know, as you started the interview, you talked to the kind of times we're in. And these are dicey times, times where people can have a lot of fear. And if there's anything we can elevate in our leadership, Chris, it would my wish would be that we could take that fear away, reduce that fear and create greater flow and coherence. That whatever difference you make is gonna happen through resonance. And you have this magnificent mind body instrument to work with to create resonance around you. What could possibly be more useful than figuring out how to use it? And, and using it in service of this incredible time that we've chosen to be leaders in. Dr. Ginny, this has been absolutely brilliant. I'm, I'm really resonating with this. I hope you get that. <laughs> um, it's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you. It's great to talk with you, Chris. And if you want to find out more, um, do visit zenleader.global. That's zenleader.global. And... Um, resonatethebook.com uh, and I would recommend that um, if this area that's resonatethebook.com uh, I'd recommend this book I'm, I'm, so I'm thoroughly enjoying it. this is really really important and if you're a leader and uh, you're looking or you're looking to make big change this is the kind of information that we really need to know there's a an old Zen saying that I, I, I've always um, picked up on and that I love which is walk not wobble so I'd walk to this book uh, rather than wobble to it and, uh, and have a read if this has uh, resonated with you. Uh, once again, huge thank you to Dr. Ginny Whitelaw on next week's show. So it's, it's coming up now. It's, um, it's Christmas uh, over here. Um, we're celebrating this in the UK, and I'm sure some of you will be around the world. Um, so I want to wish you a wonderful kind of festive season for those who you, who you celebrate. So I've got a couple of weeks where I'm not doing shows. So what I'm doing is I'm repeating uh, the show with Thomas Campbell, Dr. Thomas Campbell on um, called My Big Toe, My Big Theory of Everything, also a former NASA executive. And um, during that show, we talked about elevating consciousness, and it was absolutely fascinating. And then we had another show, a part two, which is going to be the following week, is going to be repeated, where we talked about elevating consciousness in the context of business. And then on the 8th of January, we're going to do a part three. So you'll be able to hear one and two again, if you've not all, for the first time, if you've not heard them. And then part three with Thomas Campbell. He's an amazing, fascinating uh, man like Dr. Uh, Dr. Ginny. If you want to make a big difference in, uh, in 2000, and 21 really elevate your consciousness and step up i would really recommend uh, doing that and and the show after that i'll be talking about with stephen morris uh, uh, my experience on helping people discover their purpose their why and also the importance of their business purpose which feeds beautifully into uh, what uh, dr Ginny was saying today wish you all well have a wonderful festive season take care We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time 
on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.